Network. Welcome in. It is Wednesday, and this is the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio. 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and always online at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Jess Bolin, inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's how you can get in touch with us. The huddle hotline number, powered by EBOMD, is 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline, powered by EBOMD. MD Jess Bolin in the house, ready to uh, give our best effort today. It's our final huddle of the week. We are leaving for Kansas City a little bit later today. SEMO men's basketball will play the University of Missouri-Kansas City Ruse at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, and uh, we'll drive back after the game late. Well, I'm always ready to give my best effort. But sometimes it doesn't come out that way. I can't say I'm always ready. <laughs> you give it a shot, don't know if you're ready. Well, if I'm here doing the show, I'm feeling good enough to try it. And uh, I'm not going to try it unless I give my best effort. So do you think I should sing a little? Ooh. Maybe not. I have to go thumbs down on that Okay, one. well, then I'll just ramble on about sports. I watched the Blues last night, and that was a disappointment. Lost three to one. The only goal they got was a defenseman shooting from forty feet out. But uh, the Blues are scrambling along, playoff eligible. Nothing special could fall out of the playoffs. Well, you know, Doug Armstrong so- said at the beginning of the season, you know, he thinks they're probably going to finish around third place in the Central. That'd be good enough to get you in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think they will get better as the season goes along because you take uh, uh, neighbors and some of the uh, Torpchenko, some of the guys they got on there that's very, very young show signs of really being outstanding in the National Hockey League. And so most of the time, you know, more games played, they just simply get better. And I believe... Well, those two guys I mentioned, Neighbors and Torpchenko, have got a lot of speed. The two guys they picked up at the end of the year last year, Verona and Kapanen, both are very fast. So the Blues have really transitioned a little bit from a stand-up defensive team at the red line to more of a speed-skating type of team with Cairo. He's another one. And uh, so... I would say there's a good chance the Blues might become a pretty decent team four years over. Well, you'd like to think so. Bennington was good enough to win last night. Yeah, I mean, it's a two-to-one game till real late. And um, that's all a goaltender can do is very few goaltenders go out there night after night and hold the team less than two goals. So you should win with that. But uh, it's just like baseball. You take a good pitcher, walks out there, and all at once you can't score. And so it happens. That, and then you've got two words for baseball. That's baseball. Minnesota is so bad, they fired their coach. Well, they had lost so, seven straight. 
So the first team to play him, and you always get a bump when a team fires a coach in that first game. Well, the Blues know that. I mean, when Craig Berube comes out after the game and says, we need more energy, that's a bad sign. It is, especially for hockey. Hockey is a sport that you've got to have a lot of energy and toughness because the person that battles the hardest for that puck in the corner or against the boards is usually the guy that comes out with it and you get an offensive shot. And if you don't have that energy, then the other team's going to beat you off the boards and in the corners, behind the net, and that kind of thing. So I think Bay's a good coach. He played the game. He wasn't a scorer. He was a not a goon, but a, a fighter. You know, he would Tough get out guy. there and fight people and kind of get the game going that way. And that kind of inspires teams a lot of times. And that's why they fight is try to get your team motivated a little bit because it's a contact sport big time. I still say it's a tougher sport than football because they play more often and they're going at a higher speed when they collide. And if you take the playoffs – is the worst grind or biggest grind there is in all of sports, team sports, for all of you to win a hockey championship. You got four, four out of seven series, so you could play 28 more games after the season's over. The season's only 82 games, so, you know, you're getting almost up to, well, you're getting a, a, over a third of the season played in the playoffs. So that's why those guys are simply exhausted if they go all the way to the Stanley Cup. I think they're only team sport, aren't they, that every series is four out of seven? Basketball's not, is it? No. And I know baseball's not. Football's one game. And the reason why I say it, it's tougher than football is as far as getting beat up. It's football, at least you got six days to recover most of the time. Sometimes you got to come back and play that Thursday night game. That's not so good. But uh, hockey, you don't have recovery time. A lot of times those injuries will not get better because you're playing too often. But anyway, we had a good victory by Rika Patterson's team yesterday. The women's team won their second game, and they won both of them at home. Kind of got off to a bad start, didn't it? It kind of looked sloppy and a lot of bad passes and couldn't make a field goal there at the beginning. But, boy, they, they smoothed out and started hitting their shots, running well. A lot of bad passes, boy, especially by Aristotle. What, did he have 30-something turnovers? 34 turnovers. Wow. You know, you don't like it when you've got 17. Simo had 23 steals in that game. But it, that game yesterday, <clears throat> one of my favorite games, because it was kids' day out. School kids were let out to come to the game. And how many thousand, you th- think at least 
2,000 kids there, wouldn't you? The official attendance yesterday, 2,157. Yeah, they, and you know, that's like having 5,000 adults to have 2,000 kids between the ages of probably 7 and 11, wouldn't you say, or maybe 8 and 12, something like that. I'd say that'll probably get it. I, um, I was impressed. They just make noise the whole game. And SEMO's uh, got three really good freshmen on their team. And keep in mind, Alicia Doyle, their leading scorer, she's only a sophomore. But Deja Richmond is, she's listed at 5'8", but she is long and athletic for a point guard. Yeah. I mean, really Quick as lightning. Yeah. Amaya Buchanan, six feet, strong post player. She'll only get stronger being a freshman. And she's a good finisher around the basket. Tons of energy. They love her energy and how coachable she is. And then coming off the bench, you've got India Bowen, who hit all four of her three-point <clears throat> shots yesterday. Those are three really talented freshmen to build around. Yeah, and Bowen takes the deep three. And I remarked about it yesterday on the broadcast that she gets a lot of arch on her shots. And let's face it, the more arch you have on your shot, the more likely it's going to go through the hoop. And I call it the rainbow three. But she does look very good on the three-point shot. Now, whether that's going to pan out and she's going to be one of the best they got, I don't know. Maybe. But she sure looked good yesterday. So Jalea Green, uh, as she does a lot, led the Red Hawks in scoring yesterday. She's the best athlete on the team. Would you argue that? Jalea Green is around six foot tall, somewhere in there, maybe five ten. Real strong. And yesterday I tried to explain it a little bit. When I talk about strength, I'm talking about when you get in the paint, you get a good in shot and you're going to be contested severely because people's going to try to stop that in close shot so you're going to get hit and a lot of people when they get hit they it they alter their shot and they just can't get it up there well she can you can hit her on the shooting hand and she's still strong enough to get that ball off the board and i've seen it time after time with her she's a good rebounder she runs the court well She's athletic, and uh, I just for me anyway, I, what I've seen, she's the best athlete on the team. So now, <laughs> the schedule does Simo's women no favor. Seven of their first nine are on the road, and obviously you're not playing any non D ones on the road. So their two wins are over non D one Stevens and Harris Stowe, and they're back out on the road. For three more before they even come back to the Show Me Center. They'll be at Mizzou. Didn't you say the next home game is the 19th of December? 19th. Wow. I mean, that's quite I mean, a ways from now. They're just three not. Three weeks. They're on the road a lot. They'll have three, te- three games against <coughs> Valley Clubs <coughs> under their belt. So after they go to Missouri on Saturday, then they go to Purdue then they go to Indiana State and finally come home on the 19th to play Eastern Kentucky. And they'll play, with all those road games, they got four straight home games. 
once they come back. 19th, 21st, and then after Christmas, December 29th is their first conference game. It's against Southern Indiana. Then they host Moorhead. Then they head to the thriving metropolis, Jess, of Macomb, Illinois, to play Western Illinois. It was off to a 5-1 and one start to their season. Right now, Western Illinois making a big splash their first year in the OVC. I think they're 6-1. and one. I think they won last night. I watched a little <clears> bit of their <throat> their game on ESPN Plus there at Western Hall. Just got a text message. Dawn Sean says she's putting in the tape for, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. She's requesting a song. <laughs> she texted me. Maybe I can see clearly you now the it. rain is gone. Hey, go ahead, sing well, it. Well, we know that's not going to happen. We <laughs> so can, I guess she's requesting me. Your wife we is can requesting find the, me to sing. We can find the real version by B.J. Thomas if we want the one that was played in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yeah. Kid. It's it's a good song. I like it. Raindrops. Oh, no, that's raindrops keep falling on my head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I thought you were yeah, wrong. That's a different but I, one. I didn't yeah. want to correct you right here on the radio. Now, please, uh, I was standing out in the hall where there, I would have jumped you. No, nah, when I slobber all over myself, I need to be called out. No, not on radio. Yeah. I'll let you get by with it a lot. So it's Mizzou, Purdue, and Indiana State. And believe it or not, SEMO has not won a non-conference road game since 2019 when they beat Ole Miss, when they had T.C. Thompson. It's been a long time yeah, since they've was won. Yeah, she a player? Wow. She's one of the best women's players I've ever seen, T.C. Thompson. So, good win for the Red Hawks, a game that they should win. You're playing a non-D1, and they did win. So, they're 7-0 all-time against Harris-Stowe. And well, they had a couple of players I thought played well for Harris Stowe. Sams and, and Brown had good games and didn't look like they were intimidated whatsoever by a D1 school. And so, but Southeast just had too much depth. I think Harris Stowe only had eight players in uniform. So, That's correct. You know, that you're going to wear a team down eventually if you're playing. you got 12 or 13 on your roster. And. Rika Patterson's not going to let something like that go by. I mean, she's very good tactician. She knew that she had the advantage in size and endurance because of the overwhelming number of girls she's got available compared to the opponent. You know, when you start a game, well, I don't care what game you're coaching, you you got to try to figure out before the game ever starts, where is my advantages and where's my weaknesses? And go from there and try to take advantage of every opportunity you get. And Rika doesn't, she doesn't miss out on that. She's pretty good at, you know, picking and choosing. Now, sometimes you can do the best you can at coaching and you're still overwhelmed because the talent is better on the other team. And, but far as you give her a square matchup with just about equal talent, well, she'll, she doesn't make a lot of mistakes, what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, the thing about coaching or playing either one, the number of times you can eliminate mistakes and keep that number down, more opportunities to win. And she does a pretty decent job, I think. She's been here nine years, you said yesterday, wasn't it? Yep. Wow, that doesn't seem possible. 
But the years go by. The conference is open, man. There are only two teams right now. And again, when you're playing your non-conference schedule, you're playing money games. They do it on the women's side as well. But right now, there are only two teams with winning records in the OVC. Western Illinois, who won last night. I I peeked in on that game for a little while. Uh, They beat Chicago State, who's not good. Uh, they won that game by 14. So Western Illinois is 6-1. and one. Then you've got Southern Indiana, the only other team with a winning record, Jess. They're 3-2. and two. I mean, you go down the list, Moorhead, SEMO, Tennessee State, all 2-4. and four. Tennessee Tech picked to win the league, 1-4. and four. Eastern Illinois, who's had a good last couple of seasons, they're 1-5. and five. SIUE, who was not good the last couple of years, one and six. You got three winless teams Lindenwood, Little Rock, and Martin. Martin's 0 and six. Now, all those teams are playing good non conference opponents. So you got to take that into consideration. But what I'm saying is the conference is there for the Red Hawks to make a run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just is. And by the time they hit conference play, you know, these freshmen and the three that I just mentioned, plus some of the newcomers, uh, they will have a lot of Division One minutes under their belts as they get ready to take on Southern Indiana for their first conference game. So, conference is there, man. Yeah, it is. And it may be wide, more wide open than the men's side. Yeah, so, I, you know, it's I really like it better when they get into conference play, and I'm sure you do too. You're either, it seems like preseason, you're either playing a game that you should stomp or you're playing a team that you can't hardly beat at all. You know what I mean? You're playing, as you say, money games where the other team pays you a lot of money to come in and play them. That's why a lot of these D1 schools, these majors, your Vanderbilt, your USC, Notre Dames, they start out with a good record because they're playing teams that's on the next level down. And you have to do it. I mean, let's face it, D1 schools like SEMO, they call them mid-majors. I don't know if that's an insult or not. But um, Well, the OVC's low major. They need to make money. I mean, and let's face it, when they went to play Missouri University in football, didn't they get around 600000 Yeah, they get, they get around it. You know, half a million dollars for all these. Yeah, so you, football. you know, for your program, and you know, football pretty well sponsors all major sports in college. Let's face it, football programs bring in more money. Simple as that. So they have to distribute it to volleyball and golf and all the other sports that you've got. Gymnastics. Yeah, and and so it's it's a good thing that they will pay you uh, that much money. And it helps your program, even though you nine times out of ten you go and get your face stepped on, because it's just exactly what I was talking about a while ago. That Southeast overwhelmed Harris Stowe with talent and everything, and a lot of times you play at Missouri University or somebody like that, then they've got way more talent than you do. So, none likely that you're going to beat them, but uh, you do need to play those games for your like, school. It's like last night. The number one team in the land, Purdue, they played Texas Southern. 
Texas Southern has done nothing but money games. They have not played a home game their own seven. All money games. Here are the opponents for Texas Southern. At New Mexico, these are all road games. Arizona State, Virginia, 8th-ranked Creighton, Oral Roberts, Drake, number one Purdue. I mean, you have to take it on the chin until you get into conference play. Now, SEMO does not require Brad Korn to go and play seven straight money games like Texas Southern. Right now, and it's been this way for the last couple of years, it they play two. Sometimes, well, basketball sometimes doesn't pay anywhere near the money that no, football does. No. Yeah, you, you may get sixty, seventy thousand for a, ba- a basketball game. That's saddling a guy. If you, play with, a big, if you play a big boy, and you know, not as much. Well, what when you do that and you saddle a guy with that many money games, so to speak, what you're doing is assuring him to have a bad record when the season gets into conference play, aren't you? I mean, you're not going to go play those kind of schools. It will come out four and three. No. And so then you can't turn around and fire the coach. See, I'd, I'd have trouble if I was an athletic well, a, a director. coach is going to be judged on what he does in conference. Yeah, yeah. Thank but, God, thank God but for there's, that. Because but there's an example. Texas Southern, seven straight money games, their own seven. They'll finally play their first home game Saturday against North Carolina A&T. And I, don't, they, I don't know how good they are. They could have a good team. Yeah. It could be a good team to watch, a good team for entertainment, and they could win their conference even though they're 0-7 because of the competition they play. Now, I do believe this. Good competition, even though you're getting beat, makes you better because you realize you've got to get up to that next level. I remember one time I took my team down to Nashville Team we were playing down there in a three-game series was the national champions of the American Baseball Conference. They had just beaten the USA Olympic team. <laughs> Can you believe that? That's a pretty good team when you say the best collegiate players in the United States. They beat that Olympic team and had 45-game winning streak at home. So we went down there. You talk about going into the den. We went down there, and we lost the first two games. But we beat them game three, stopped their 47-game winning streak. So I think you, you, if you got talent, it helps you a lot. Now, it doesn't help you go out there and get beat in basketball by 30 points every game. But if you can compete to the point where you get better, in those seven games, well, of course, it's going to make you tougher for your own conference. Now, Texas Southern has played a couple of competitive games. Oral Roberts isn't that good. That was still a money game for Texas Southern. Oral Roberts is two and four, but they only lost by two. They play at Drake, who preseason favorite in the Valley. They only lost by six. They got smoked by Purdue, of course, last night. And speaking of the OVC, Eastern Illinois gave Kansas a game last night at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. They only lost 71-63. to hmm. I mean, they pushed Kansas. A lot of teams couldn't play that close. In the second half, yeah. right? So they lost by eight points. So it was a good showing. Eastern Illinois is <laughs> 3-5, and five, you know. What's the rankings in OVC? Is Moorhead and Eastern Kentucky up there? What's... Uh, 
Eastern Kentucky's out of the conference. Moorhead was a preseason favorite. Then you've got Tennessee State, Tennessee Martin. Martin is off to the best start along with Tennessee State. They're 5-2. and two. Moorhead State, preseason favorite, but they have the player of the year, Mark Freeland. Uh, Jess, he went down with a season-ending injury before the season started. You so know, I knew that that's Eastern massive. Kentucky left the conference, but it has slipped my mind. that I, I can't remember. There's so many teams left the conference. Belmont, Austin P, um, Eastern Kentucky. Jacksonville. Jacksonville, yeah. Murray. And so Eastern Kentucky, I thought, might have stayed in. Just like when, remember the Texas A&M and Missouri was scrounging around about going to the SEC and there were several teams wanting to do the switch. And I think that's the best thing happened in Missouri, don't you, to get in the SEC? Because it elevates your program for one thing, just to be able to compete in the Southeastern Conference. No Financially, they're just now starting to compete again. In football, Pinkle had them in two SEC title games. They're just now starting to pe- compete again in football. Their football team looks good right Basketball, now. they competed last year and made the tournament under Gates. And they won last night at Pitt. Solid road win for Mizzou basketball. Well, Missouri football wound up 10-2. and two, And the only two games they lost, if I recollect, was to LSU and to Georgia. Number one team. And they could have won that LSU game. Yes, they probably should have won it. I mean, you could make an argument Jaden Daniels should be the Heisman Trophy winner. I think if Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 title game, Bo Nix will win it. But Jaden Daniels, you just look at sheer numbers. The LSU quarterback, you can make a strong argument he's the Heisman Trophy. When everybody plays on a team, what do they have, three losses? So, yeah, I mean, it's not his fault their defense stinks. And here's the here's the thing that disappoints me, and I don't know if I am on an island all by myself, but they revealed the college football standings last night. And Missouri remained at number nine. They shouldn't have gone up or down. And Ohio State dropped to sixth. So it's Georgia one followed by Michigan, Washington, Florida State. All the unbeatens are there. But here's the issue that I have. Florida State is going to be favored to beat Louisville, who just lost. Louisville just lost last week. So if Florida State beats Louisville, they'll go into the top four. They'll be in the college football playoff, and it will ruin New Year's Day because they will get smoked by whoever they play because they've got a backup quarterback. They're the number four seed, and they will be. Georgia will dismantle. It's not even worth watching the game, Florida State. But do they deserve if they go through the regular season undefeated? Yeah. Would they be favored over Alabama on a neutral field? No. Would they be favored over Ohio State or Texas on a neutral field? No. Would they get beat by all those teams? I say yes. So by putting together an undefeated season, that's great, but they lost Jordan Travis. He's out. 
And you got a backup quarterback. They were down 14 nothing to Florida, and everybody was like, boy, that was a heck of a and comeback. You didn't Florida has a backup quarterback. Their guy got hurt, Mertz, in the Missouri game. If you so they, they already stink. But if you didn't include them in the four, they'd squeal like a pig under a game. Right, and, and they would have a case because they went undefeated. But if they beat Louisville, they're going to get in, and then they're going to get boat raced. And it's a game like you're looking forward to watching these yeah, games. exactly. And it, they just won't be competitive. I'll eat my words if they are, but, I mean. <laughs> I think that's pretty strong assessment, and it's because, you, you you know, a quarterback is so important to your team, I don't guess there's any way to measure it, the importance you can't, of him. You can't win. Yeah, exactly. At the highest level. You, you can't, can't win. You can't win in the NFL. Unless you, you can't got a win. In college well, that's football. the way I always pick my NFL teams. If you go to the Super Bowl or you're in the playoffs, who do I think is the best quarterback? Now, there's teams that's won the Super Bowl, like the Ravens, with great defense and everything. Once in a while it happens with a journeyman quarterback, but not very often. Look at Tom Brady. Bad as I hate to see them win, I always did. he got to admit he's a pretty good quarterback. He would be in his discussion for the best Ever, and I mean, once Joe Burrow went down, that's it for the Bengals. Season's over, yeah. Once I mean, Deshaun Watson went down, it's going to be curtains for the Browns. You can argue all you want to about it, and you can make your good points about the necessity for an elite quarterback. But I tell you what, if you don't have one, <laughs> it's just a combination of things that go out there then because. You say, well, our defense slipped a little. Well, yeah, why Why is that? Well, if you had a good defense all at once, now it's not so good. Well, your quarterback can't take care of the ball. He can't get first downs. He can't keep the defense off the field a little bit so they can recover and get their breath. So they go three and out too many times in the game. Now your defense is wore down the fourth period, and that's why they say your defense is breaking down. It all has a domino effect, and it starts out at the quarterback. You don't have a good quarterback. I wouldn't rate you very high, no I matter mean, what the rest of your team it is. It was a feel-good story when the Vikings brought in Joshua Dobbs, who was released by the Cardinals, and somehow, yeah. some way, they're telling him what the plays are, and they beat New Orleans. I mean, that was great. Well, he's turned back into a pumpkin. Four interceptions, and they lose to the Bears. How do you lose to the Bears? They didn't. They got the Bears intercepted Dobbs four times. They couldn't score a touchdown in the game. They won 12-10 on four field goals. Dobbs has thrown five picks in the last two games through one against Denver. You can't win with your backup quarterback. No. Not, you just, you can't. Unless you're Kurt Warner. (laughs) And, you know, good for Florida State if they can beat Louisville on Saturday. But. To me, it's going to ruin New Year's Day if Florida State is there. Do they deserve to by going through the gauntlet of a regular season undefeated? Yes. Power 5 team, Power 5 conference, yes. So, honestly, just because I want to see the best play the best, I am rooting hard against Florida State on Saturday. I want to see Oregon get in there. Uh, you know, if it comes down to 
Alabama beating Georgia, and I don't think they will. Their defense couldn't stop Auburn, who just got smoked by New Mexico State, which is awful. They couldn't stop Auburn, and they needed a miracle pass, and D.J. James, the, the defensive back, couldn't turn around and look for the ball. Great throw by Jalen Milrow. You know, okay, give Alabama all the credit. I don't think that Alabama is going to beat Georgia. But if they do, are they going over Texas? You just beat the number one team in the nation, but because early in the year, before Jalen Milrow really got established as Alabama's quarterback, they lost at home by double digits to Texas. And there will be people thumping and thumping. You cannot put Alabama over Texas because Texas beat them head-to-head, despite the fact if the Tide beat the number one team in the nation, it's got a 29-game winning streak, two straight national titles, you'll still have people saying, and all Texas has to do is beat an Oklahoma State team that got smoked by Central Florida. Yeah, they beat Oklahoma. Yeah, well, a lot of times, a lot I mean, of years, it's you, just d- gonna... you don't have the best teams in there. You seem like you always got one straggler that shouldn't be there. They've been arguing that point well, ever since I was in high school. So I agree with what you say. Some of the early season losses, maybe you didn't have your quarterback or maybe you minus a few key people, you have to pay for that at the end of the season. And it's just the way it is. I mean, you know, that's why, you know, college, I like college. I love college sports. But it's a different game than pro you know, pro doesn't care whether they beat you by one or they beat you by 20. In college, to get that ranking, a lot of times you wonder, why is the team scoring 60 points? Well, they do it because they want to move up in the standings. They're running up the score. Yes, and you just don't see that in pro. I don't like it. I think a, a team that in the college has got a insurmountable lead. They got the ball. I don't like to see them passing. You're trying to build the score up. I, I detest that, but that's the way it is. Nobody ran up the score more than Steve Spurrier used to at Florida. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. was, he was diabolical. So Oregon, Washington, it's a neutral site. They're playing at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Pac-12 title game right now. And if you're Washington, what are you thinking? Neutral site. You beat Oregon. You shouldn't have. <clears throat> Oregon should have beaten Washington. Washington beat them by a field goal, okay? So Oregon's 11-1, Washington's 12-0. The Pac-12 deserves a team in the Final Four. So the winner of that game, you got to think, is going to the Final Four. Oregon, who has already lost to Washington, and Washington's undefeated, neutral site. Oregon's favored by 10. Everybody thinks Oregon is going to beat Washington. Hmm. That's... I attacked what I'm saying. It's a good matchup. Yes. You know, it's going to be um, a great game. It's going to be that's the Saturday night game and, or Friday night. And Friday if Oregon night. does beat Washington, don't you think there should be some kind of reward for that? They I, I think they'll get in. Yeah, I think Even they should. Even they're a one-loss team. Yeah. So, it is Oklahoma State Texas. Texas is 14 and a half point favorite. So, it would be a massive upset. Georgia and they're playing this game in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz. Six-point favorite over Alabama. And Michigan. Okay, they're playing Iowa, who cannot score. They can't score. They cannot score. 
They've got but good defense. They want, yes, they've got a great defense. Michigan is a 23-and-a-half-point favorite over Iowa. Mm, I don't know about that one. I know Michigan's great, but to get a 23-and-a-half-point advantage on a team that plays the defense that Iowa does, it's hard. I don't think I'd take that bet. I think that game's got 31-to-6 written all over it. I don't know. Well, that's that's still, I'd still win the bet. Did you say 28 or 23? 23-and-a-half. No, I'd lose, but I, that's a lot of points difference for a team that's really good on defense, and Iowa is. They're a good defensive team. And Louisville, Florida State, FSU, two-and-a-half-point favorite. They will play that game in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. So you got uh, the championship games coming up and some of the more minor games. Conference USA, it's Liberty, New Mexico State. They'll play that in Virginia. It is SMU Tulane for the American Championship. Tulane is ranked 22nd or 11-1. and one. And Tulane is a team, if they win this game and they go bowling, you may see Missouri match up with Tulane. I've looked at several of the bowl scenarios. So that's what you've got coming up. Uh, the Oregon-Washington game is Friday night. And then the Big 12 who is not good this year, Texas-Oklahoma, that's the early game Saturday. Then Georgia-Alabama's at 3 Saturday. And then Michigan-Iowa, 7 p.m., Louisville-Florida State, 7 p.m. Did uh, did Weiss come up with another year of eligibility, or did I dream that? I think there's a chance he could come back next year, Theo Weiss, yeah, the wide I've receiver heard, for I, Missouri. Good. I, I didn't know. I just... I heard it somewhere or something, and those two receivers, Weiss and B- Burden, I think are as good as anybody in the SEC. And Cook, their quarterback, is a big surprise. I think it surprised everybody, including you, because of his running ability. And you know, sometimes he throws a pass, you you shake your head and wonder why in the world did he throw that? Who did he see? You know. That he thought he could complete that, but boy, the they got the best running back in the SEC, Schrader. So, I really enjoyed watching Missouri for you know for the whole season. My daughter and son-in-law Kim and Darren um, went to a lot of Missouri games, and Kim is fanatical Missouri fan. Darren is, too, but he's more able to control his emotions than Kim is. <laughs> Wait for a ding. I'll get a text on that one. <laughs> but she is. I love it. I love to see her that enthused about Missouri. And uh, <laughs> they follow these teams for so many years that hanging around the cellar, and you finally get a team that's good, very good, and it, it's just a pleasure to watch him play. And don't forget about this emerging freshman tight end from Francis Howell High School, Brett Norfleet. He had two touchdown catches against Arkansas, had a touchdown catch against LSU just as a freshman, 6'7", 235. He is really good. I know when Jackson played Howell last year there, Eli Drinkwitz came to the game in a helicopter 
to talk to Norfleet. I mean, they'd already been recruiting him and everything, but he helicoptered in to watch, land on their to watch Norfleet play against Jackson. He could land in his backyard if he had a little acreage. Right. So there you go. That's the uh, the top What was four. the big guy for Oakland? Big t- tight end. Great big guy. Six, like that. Six, five, six, six. Dave Casper? Yeah, Dave Casper. Yeah. Um, he was pretty good. Hall of Fame. I know. Maybe this kid will be, you know, along those lines. So Nothing th- wrong with being tall, especially if you're in basketball or football and you throw that ball. A lot of times a guy that's that tall, six seven, you can throw it up for grabs and he's going to out jump whoever's most defensive backs. Let's face it. Once in a while, you see a defensive back or safety come along 6'2", but most of them are 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, stuff like that. But now most of them have got jumping ability out of this world. But it's very hard for a guy 5'10 to out-jump or get a higher than a guy 6'7". So Missouri might have something special there. Did the St. Louis Cardinals sign the starting pitcher with the single best pitch in all of Major League Baseball. We will talk about that when we come back. And we're talking about Sonny Gray's sweeper. I've got some numbers for you. It is a pitch that has revitalized his career. Is Sonny Gray true number one? Sports Huddle coming right back. SEMO ESPN. you got so much to lay It's a sports huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio. That is 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at SEMOESPN.com. We'll be uh, heading to Kansas City, Jess, uh, early this afternoon from the Show Me Center. SEMO men's basketball playing the 2-5 and five Kansas City Ruse out of the Summit League They've got a couple of wins over non-D1s. They've lost five in a row, so uh, both of these teams desperate to get a victory. It'll be 7 o'clock tomorrow. And uh, Brad Korn flat out said, well, first of all, he said on this show before the season started, I asked him, why aren't you playing SIU? And he said, basically, they don't want to play us. And I brought it up again on the coach's show. And he just flat out says, Brian Mullins will not play. I, I mean, I've... I can't tell you how many times I've talked to him. He will not play SEMO. Now, whether that's going forward or not, so Corn flat out said, we should be driving 45 minutes to play SIU tomorrow night. But uh, instead, we're driving five hours to Kansas City because Brian Mullins will not play SEMO. I totally agree with him. Uh, who's SIU? They're nothing special. Let's be honest about it. They're... Oh, I mean, oh, their fan base believes they. Sure, they are. I mean, they they th- think they are, and but Southeast can compete with them with no problem. I mean, it's never been a problem with. They're about as far as I would rate them down through the years, pretty close to even. If you go all the way go back to shoemate years, but uh, for some reason that that's ridiculous that you won't play a team that's. Less than an hour away from Well, you. if you're better than Simo, then why won't you play him? Yeah. They don't want to take a chance getting beat. That's what you're talking about. You uh, you taking calls? Sure. 
All right, uh, let's head to the Huddle Hotline. It's powered by EBOMD. Eric is on the line. Thanks for holding on, Eric. Welcome into the Huddle. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Hey, just a quick note about SIU. They just got beat by, what, 30 or 40 last night at Indiana State? Indiana just State, saying. yeah. Uh, and they were picked pretty far down in the preseason, uh, you know, poll and you know they their best two players transferred somewhere else so you know it's kind of a rebuild job uh if they had uh the the same roster they had last year their guys didn't transfer maybe mullins plays simo i don't know uh but you know corn coached mullins i mean they're buddies and he could not talk him into playing simo well yeah um, but what i wanted to call about was the, you want the four best teams playing in the college football playoff. And there seems to be this bias that everybody just does not want SEC represented by more than one team. But if you really look at it, other than Oregon, there's not one team in another conference that could challenge for an SEC title if they were in that conference. But yet, the top four teams would win the Big Ten or the Pac-10, and the top six teams would even could or could win the the um, Big 12 and the ACC. It's really not, um, you know. I, I think that the top four teams should be Alabama, Georgia, um, Michigan, and Oregon right now. Well, Am I if, wrong? if 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 Georgia smokes Alabama, no. If Alabama has two losses, not a chance. Okay, maybe granted, but I mean, saying though, if you're really looking for the four best teams, I still think that's it. Now, if they get smoked, I don't think they're going to get smoked. I think it's going to be a touchdown, maybe a nine point game at worst. Well, you've got Ole Miss at ten and two. Alabama is eleven and one. But the head-to-head matchup with Texas, and Texas is probably going to roll Oklahoma State. So, if, I mean, if Texas and Alabama played today, would you put your money on Texas? No. Exactly. And I'm just saying, if you're, I'm going with. But that's not the way that that's not the way they're going to. That's not the way they're going to do it. I mean, it's just like Florida no. State. Do, do you think Florida State could beat any of the other three teams if they beat Louisville and they go into the playoffs? Do you think they would have a chance against any of the other three teams? Oh no, they'll they'll perform like TCU did in right. the finals. Exactly, they'll get they'll get worked like a speed bag. I mean, it'll be like a bye week for whatever team's getting them. So, so I mean, I'm just saying though that that I'll be glad when it goes to a 12 team, 12 team playoffs. I think you'll you'll get a situation where more often than not, you're probably going to get the two best teams in the championship game. I don't know that that's always the case with the 14 playoff. Right, I think so. I mean, because I think if. You know, I mean, like, even, you know, Missouri's ninth, but tell me one team that would want to be playing them right now. No, they're playing great. I mean, right yeah. now, okay, if you've got the 12 team, Alabama and Texas are in, and then Texas could make its case, you know, if, exactly. they, if they end up making it and playing Alabama again on a neutral site or wherever they're playing the game, okay, see if you can beat them again. 
because uh, if you if you just go down and break down what was going on with Alabama, they were having all kinds of uh, of quarterback issues, and it was before Milrow. You know, Milrow played, and then he got benched, and then worked his way back into the starting lineup, and he's been playing great since. I mean, he should at least be at least in the team photo of talked about for the Heisman Trophy right now. Just go look at what he has done with Alabama. So it's a completely different tied team, but the same thing. They won head-to-head. They did it in Tuscaloosa. They did it by double digits. There's a big but in that also, though, that the the committee has in the past made, um, made it a factor. It's not the same Texas team. Texas does not have their starting quarterback. I agree with you. I mean, again, it's not going to happen if if Texas wins and Alabama loses. They're out. I'm just saying though, but if there really needs to be some consistency on the eye test, and there needs to be some some bias given, if you're playing a stronger competition and you're winning, that should bleed out. Then instead of playing a pedestrian Big Twelve conference. You know, I when Notre Dame got passed over was at ninety three when they beat Florida State head to head in South Bend, and then they lost to Boston College. They both had one loss, and even though Notre Dame beat Florida State head to head, Florida State ended up going and winning the national championship. Uh, that made me mad. But at this point in time, if Alabama beats Georgia, that is better than any win on Texas's schedule, including beating Alabama. And I would jump Texas with Alabama if Alabama would beat Georgia. But I mean, I, you still got to almost look at because, no offense, you could look at Georgia's schedule and say their resume is better than Texas's. I think if Alabama beats Georgia, Jess, there's a good chance both of them go. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's one of the big gripes, I think, Eric, that you're talking about, that teams or conferences are wanting to see one SEC school maybe, but not two. Well, you you hear SPN saying that Ohio State and Michigan should go, but only one team or maybe no teams if Georgia gets beat. I'm like, that makes no sense. No, it does not. No, I don't think you – if Oregon – I mean, no. I, I just don't think you can leave the Pac-12 out. I, I You can't jump a Pac-12 school with Ohio State. I'm sorry. Right. Exactly. But, I mean, I see – I mean, and I, I think Oregon's going to that, – that's not going to be a, a good game. Well, they're they're a double digit favorite. I I would be surprised with the way Oregon's playing, and you've got to you've got to hand it to Texas or um I'm sorry to Washington. They're winning these games, uh man. It, I tell you what, from your own 29 yard line, the fourth and one that they called last week against Washington State. If they don't get that, they're going to lose. Um, Washington's undefeated, aren't they? Yes. They're going to lose if they didn't call that fourth-and-one play and get it. If they get shut down, Washington State's going to get a field goal and they're going to win the game. So, you know, they've been squeaking these games out, but a win is a win, but they look vulnerable. But that luck runs out at some point. Yes, it does. All right. Well, thank you, guys. I just wanted to put in my two cents worth. Good call, Eric. Thanks for the call. Hey, thank you. All right. Bye. He's got a good name, though. I think, I think, however, he spells it wrong, though. 
Oh, with a C? Yeah, I think, yeah. It, I think it could be yeah. E-R-I-C, which is... Well, you can't blame him. Yeah. I think his parents probably True. tagged him with that, so... All right. Um, I wanted to give you this little nugget. Bernie Nicholas always breaks numbers down, and he broke the numbers down on Sonny Gray's sweeper, Jess. Just in the past couple of seasons, he has developed this pitch. Last season... There were 203 plate appearances that ended with Sonny Gray throwing his, as it's being described as, a diabolical sweeper. Opponents against Sonny Gray's sweeper last year hit 097 with a 41% strikeout rate, or I'm sorry, whiff rate, that is swing and miss, and a 53% strikeout rate. They had 097, 53% strikeout rate. With two strikes. He did not give a home run up on the sweeper. Only four doubles against his sweeper. The other 15 hits against the sweeper were singles. Well, as you said a while ago, could you argue that he's got the single best pitch in baseball? I would say his sweeper and Otani splitter... If you just break the numbers down, the two single greatest pitches well, in the sport. Well, it'd be hard for Otani to beat those numbers. I mean, come on, let's face it, 53%. And he, he, he's not going to be throwing any splitters next year. No. Um, and we don't know what the splitter's going to look like when I he comes back. I hope he does. I hope he John. walks out there and gives the Cardinals an ace. Uh, now, he is the Cardinals' ace. I, I wouldn't put anybody ahead of him. A guy that's second in the MVP or Cy Young vote. You know, but did he? you can make an argument. Because I think most Cardinal fans are like, okay, he's a two. Well, I don't know. With him adding the sweeper. He's a two if you got Corbin Burns or you got somebody like that. But if you finish second in the Cy Young voting and you break his other numbers down, what do you have to do to be an ace? Is it only if you win the Cy Young, then you're an ace? It's amazing how some guys get credit for things they do and some guys can do better. And not get credit. It's just like Cardinals raving of their outfielders. When a Rosarina come up to the Cardinals, he come up with credentials of a 320 hitter down in AAA with speed and power. But the Cardinals playing one game and decide, no, that's a that's a mirage. That Those numbers don't really mean much. And then the Cardinals can turn around and bring up another guy that's hitting 280 in AAA, and boy, he gets a chance out of this world. It just doesn't make sense. And I think that Probably Sonny Gray falls into that category that his 2.79 earned run average probably is a, a fake. Is not looked at. And I have to say this. I myself think that he's the number two on your staff. He won't be with the Cardinals. He'd be the number one. But for me, I, I would like to see him have gotten Blake Snell or you know even Jordan Montgomery back. Or people like that, but um, they didn't. They got Sonny Gray, and I think I predicted that. You could roll back the tape for sure several times that the cards would wind up with Sonny Gray. And the reason why I said that was a little sarcastic because I didn't think he was the top three pitchers on the market. And the cards never get the top three. It'll always be down the list. But when you really go into his numbers... He's awfully good, man. Yeah, I mean, he might wind up winning 20 games, winning Cy Young. You and, don't know. 
Here's another nugget on Kyle Gibson. Okay, last year Kyle Gibson had 17 quality starts. 17. That's when, six innings, three runs or less. When a pitcher delivers a quality start in Major League Baseball, their team, according to the analytics, wins 70 to 75% of the time. Last year, his 17 quality starts were as many as Sonny Gray and more quality starts than Aaron Nola, Dylan Cease, Shane Bieber, Tyler Glasnow. He had more quality starts than Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Eduardo Rodriguez, Kodai Senga, Marcus Stroman, Nathan Evaldi, Kyle Gibson. Well, if the still Cardinals, has some gas in that tank. Yeah, if you rate the Cardinals staff going into this coming year over what they went into last year. Now, the Cardinals had high hopes for Jack Flaherty. Coming back and being the Flaherty they had uh, that half season a couple years before, they were they did have Jordan Montgomery, a good pitcher. They had Michaelis, Stephen Matz, and a couple of hot shot rookies like Thompson and Libertor. So the Cardinals staff last year, but it's not as good a staff going in as this staff coming up in twenty five, don't you think, or twenty four? Which pitching staff is better? Opening day this year or opening day last year? Cardinals opening I I just said that. It's better. That's that's the question. Better, Michaelis, better coming up. Miles Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, Stephen Matz, and Jake Woodford. Because remember, he was in the rotation. They don't even have him anymore. Because of Adam Wainwright. Yeah. And let's face it, Adam Wainwright had a terrible season. Did have one quality start and hung it up on that start. And I, that's exactly what I would have done when he beat the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, first 200th win. And um, him and Yachty go out at the same time. I, I just I just thought that, no, I think I'm wrong there. Yachty went out with Albert, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So Adam hung on for another year, and that didn't help the Cardinals at all. You you would have been better off if you were rookie Thompson or Levator or somebody else started in that spot all year. But, you know, he uh, he was treated with royalty, which he deserved with the things he did for the Cardinals. You know why the Cardinals have to go out and spend all this money on pitching? is because they are not developing any pitching in their minor league pipeline. No. They, they developed two good ones. Zach Gallen and Sandy Alcantara traded him. They tried to develop. I mean, go and look at first-round draft picks. Dakota Hudson didn't work. Jake Woodford didn't work. Matthew Liebertor, so far, Jess, it has not worked. And he was the first-round pick that they traded for. outfielders than anybody else in big leagues. But as far as pitchers, they used to be good at developing pitchers, but they've went down to shoot. They don't, uh, like I said, Gallon and Alcantara, two excellent pitchers. But I, I squeal like a pig under a gate, and you know it when they traded Alcantara. I did not want to see him move. Now I didn't know nothing about Gallon, Zach Gallon, but Alcantara I did, and I didn't like that move at all. And he winds up winning Cy Young. 
Won't pitch next year. Cardinals, you know, Tommy if you John. stop and think about it, the Cardinals develop talent. But when they get the talent, they don't recognize where they're at with that person. It, it's, you know, just like Garcia, Adolis Garcia, a big RBI home run machine and a good outfielder with a great arm. Can't you see that? Well, you know, when the cards had him, what's wrong with you if you can't see talent that's developed by your system? If they, if they had an outfield right now of Garcia and Rosarina and whoever you want to put in center, wouldn't it be a great outfield? Sure it would, but they don't, you know, they don't. Something happens when they develop and they get to the big league. They just don't believe that what they're seeing, and I don't understand it. But they're smarter than I am, so just keep throwing them away. Your guy, Mike Schilt, going to manage San Diego the Padres. Yeah. He's a better manager than the Cardinals got. The only thing Marmol is really good at is post-game interviews. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah, he's not bad with those. All right. Uh, we got Red Hawk basketball, 7 o'clock tomorrow. I think uh, Friday, Sykeston will play in that uh, DeSoto tournament as well. Uh, Red Hawk women Saturday at, at Mizzou. The Kansas City Chiefs at Green Bay. That'll be the Sunday night game. Coming up, the Blues tomorrow night at home hosting Buffalo. Then they head out for two to Arizona and Vegas. So tomorrow night, the Blues are at home. And Mizzou basketball, as I mentioned, beat Pitt on the road last night. Uh, hello to the uh, lovely and talented Dawn Sean. Jess, she uh, tuning in to the sports huddle today. And so we say a hefty hello to her. And I know I disappointed her because she wanted me to sing, but another day. How's that? Another day I will. And give everybody a laugh. Because I have no voice for singing, but it's just like the bumblebee. You know, they're not supposed to fly. They're, their body's too heavy for the wings, but they don't know it. So they fly. And that's the way I am about singing. Can't sing a lick. But I haven't understood that yet. Well, are you? Do you sing in the shower? No. Mm. Well, see, I do. I've got a Bose. Well. I've got a Bose speaker that I set uh, just outside my shower, and I have sports talk going on when I'm in the shower. Once in a while, I'll play some music, but I, I've got my Bose speaker going on when I'm in the shower. Well, I'm this is singing. Hump Day, even yeah. though it's the last day of the oh, week for us. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo-hoo! All right, it is Wednesday. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, I want to say hi to my girls, too, down in Texas and Columbia, Mizzou. And my boys running around here somewhere in town. Uh, how you know, this is Wednesday Wisdom also. Give you a little wisdom here. People in Iceland read more books per capita than any other people in the world. Well, what else you got to do in Iceland? You know, but 
How about this? I'm going to leave you with uh, my favorite philosophical poem. Think where man's glory most begins and ends. Then say my glory was I had such a friend. That was William Butler Yeats, one of my favorite guys on that. And I want to say happy birthday today to an old friend. And I'm in and out. All right. Uh, That's our final huddle of the week. Jess, we will uh, crank up the Monday Marty party uh, coming up after the weekend. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. We got Greeny coming up next on ESPN Radio. We're back on Monday. Enjoy your hump day, everybody.